with the year almost over, end of the year lists are starting, and today I'm going to be ranking all seven theatrically released with Zack Snyder's Justice League comic book movies from Marvel and DC from the worst to the best. Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. It's been a pretty good year for comic book movies. I have enjoyed all seven of the ones released from Marvel and DC. Again, I don't love all of them, but we've got seven of them, and I really enjoy um, all of them, actually. I I can at least enjoy watching them. Some of them have a lot of issues, but at the very least, they are all entertaining movies. So I would say it's been a pretty good year, much, much better than last year when we just got two. This year, we got seven from Marvel and DC, at least when it comes to live-action, theatrically-released ones. Obviously, I'm also including Zack Snyder's Justice League here because... It should have been the real Justice League, and I want to honor it by including it here. But obviously, um, a few different things. I will be discussing spoilers because most of these movies have been out for a few months now. No Way Home just came out, but I mean, it just crossed a billion dollars, so I'm sure you've seen it. So spoiler warning for each of these movies. I'm not going to go into them too deeply, but just in case I do want to get into a few specifics, just know that going in, that there may be spoilers for movies you haven't seen, so maybe you can skip over that section. But yeah, um, we've got seven movies from Marvel and DC live action ones combined. The movies I'm going to be talking about here are Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, Black Widow, The Suicide Squad, Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, Venom of the Recarnage, Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home. And I'm going to be ranking those seven, starting with number seven. And my number seven is Eternals. Now, when it comes to Eternals, I think what my number seven and my number six, I went back on, I've been going back on for the past few days. I think where Eternals falls to last place is that I just think that it's the one that I would least want to rewatch out of these seven films. Yes, that's including the four-hour Snyder Cut. Now, is this movie as good as I'd hoped? Again, no, it's not. But I think I was still entertained the entire time, but it is the one that has sections that drag and is probably the most messy of the seven movies which some people might disagree with but this is easily the most unique movie in the mcu and probably the best looking movie in the franchise chloe zhao's incredible filmmaking talent is all over this the cinematography is fantastic it feels tangible and more practical than other mcu movies despite being about characters who've been on earth for thousands of years there's some great characters camille nanjiani as kingo uh, Don Lee as Gilgamesh and Barry Keegan as Druid was some of the standouts for me. They deliver some of my favorite moments of the movie, even in terms of emotion. And to be honest, I just like big, ambitious comic book movies. This one certainly did not live up to its ambition, and it is kind of a mess. But with that said, again, I was still entertained. So keep that in mind as I'm going through all my issues here. With the way they decided to tell their story, alongside the amount of characters they're trying to explore and the amount of world building they're trying to do, which I enjoy because, again, I'm a comic book reader, so obviously I love big world building. All that, there's just way too much they're trying to do. And despite being a really long movie, a lot of the movie feels really rushed because they're just jumping between characters, jumping back between the past and present, that it just doesn't quite come together quite right. And again, with the amount of characters there are, a lot of them are really wasted, and a lot of them have a lot of potential to be really cool characters but unfortunately this movie I just don't think had the runtime and I don't really don't think it had it just had way too many characters to really 
be able to make them all interesting. And there's a lot in here which are really underdeveloped and just are bland characters. Like in particular, Cersei, the main character, might be the most uninteresting character in the whole movie. And the fact that she's the main character just lowers the rewatchability of this movie for me. And I think that had this movie been like a Disney Plus series, it could just could it could have been like, well, although I've never seen it, I compare it in terms of scale, like the Game of Thrones of Marvel shows. And I would like love it to be an epic on that scale. But this movie just doesn't quite reach the ambition it's trying to And because of that, I think it's the one that struggles the most to, com- to accomplish what it's trying to do. Number six is Venom Let There Be Carnage. And if you had told me going into this year that I would have this movie above Eternals, I would have called you insane because that's when Chloe Zhao literally just won her Best Picture Oscar. But this movie is a dumb, entertaining comic book B-movie. I mean, it's amusing while being absurd. Tom Hardy, I mean, absolutely puts on a one-man show. He carries this movie and the franchise. And his, his performance as Eddie Brock and Venom and their relationship and dynamic is the best part of the movie. And I wish it was actually in more of the movie. But in terms of the movie it's trying to accomplish, I think this movie does it pretty great. It's, this is not a great movie, but it does what it's setting out to do almost perfectly which is be a dumb movie, but again, a movie that is pretty clunky and rushed. Harrelson, I think, is good as Cletus Cassidy, but I was pretty disappointed by the portrayal of Carnage. He's not really given a character like Venom, but at least the fight scenes with him are cool and much better than the previous movie. And I really enjoyed how I could actually see what was going on, unlike in the first Venom movie, in terms of the action scenes. But this movie, though, is so quickly paced that it doesn't have, I feel like, as many memorable moments of banter as the first. And I think like 15 to 20 extra minutes would have helped to maybe give more time to things we actually care about. And at 90 minutes, the plot is extremely thin, but there's weirdly a lot of unnecessary filler, like involving, you know, Detective Mulligan, which that plot line thrown in here could have been interesting, but I just don't think the character and the performance was as compelling as it needed to be for us to be on board. But I mean, still, just watching Venom and Eddie cook breakfast, I mean, I just love that. That is, that is one some that is one of the highlights of this entire list for me. And if for the next movie they really streamline it even further and try to cut out some of the fat, which they also do in this movie from the first movie, just a bit further and just make it 90-minute runtime, but maybe just have the plot be simpler, try to cut out some of the subplots that will easily be the best of this franchise so far. But with that said, I still really enjoyed Venom of the Recarnage. I slightly prefer it over the first. And I would much rather rewatch this movie than Eternals, even though Eternals is probably the better movie. And that's why this comes in at number six for me. Coming in at my number five is Black Widow, a movie that I think did on rewatch lower just a bit in quality for me. But I think this is still a pretty solid MCU movie and one that I personally really enjoy. But again, spy action movies are my kind of movie, my kind of genre, so obviously I could be biased towards maybe liking this one a bit more than most people. Um, It's still thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable, although I didn't like it as much on rewatch. What I love here is the attempt at a more personal story for Natasha. I mean, she's been in this franchise for over 10 years. This was probably her final outing uh, as a character, and I think she finally got her due justice and story this year. The family dynamic here is the absolute beating heart of the movie, 
and it really brought it together by the end. Florence P was Yelena Belova. I mean, she's the absolute standout here. She's amazing, really funny, and also really relatable at points, even though despite being an assassin. David Harbour is the Red Guardian, steals a lot of scenes. It's another standout in this movie. And also, unlike a few MCU things this year, a bit of touch on the humor of this movie. I actually think really works. And of course, I mean, some of the grounded action sequences are pretty solid. In particular, the bridge fight scene with Black Widow and Taskmaster and the apartment fight between the two sisters is great. But what stops this movie from going even higher on this list and being fully great for me personally is I think the villains were a big letdown. In particular, Taskmaster, who's easily one of the most disappointing out of the entire MCU, if not the most disappointing villain of all time. I'm not saying he's the worst, but just in terms of what I'd hoped from the character. The other big issue for me is the third act that I think goes way too far in the special effects, CGI, heavy direction with a massive scale that was really unnecessary. What I was really invested in here was the plot of the family. And I feel like in the third act, they slightly lost sight of that. Because of that, I just wasn't as into it. Number four, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is another very, very solid and very enjoyable MCU movie. And I think the strongest MCU movie distributed by Disney this year. This movie has the absolute best action out of the entire franchise, particularly when it's grounded. I feel like I say this every single time I talk about an MCU movie. But, I mean, like, the bus sequence, the scaffolding is amazing. I love the different styles they incorporate into it, even when they incorporate into the weirder fantastical element of the third act. They even shoot it really cool. Simu Liu with Shang-Chi is fantastic as the lead, and I enjoyed his interplay with Aquafina's character when the humor wasn't so heavy-handed. The villain of the film, Wenwu, played by Tony Leung, is one of the best in the entire franchise because of the emotional complexity the character has. And by the end, in the third act, when he semi-sacrifices himself, there was a really powerful scene in the father-son relationship, I think was the strongest thing maybe in this entire movie. And the family drama elements that Dustin Daniel Crichton was given the room to do from Marvel, I think is some of the best stuff so far we've gotten in Phase 4. And I think one of the biggest compliments I can give this movie is that for a significant chunk of it, I actually forgot I was watching a Marvel movie, which I think is extremely impressive considering how dethroning that brand name can be but there were a few things that bothered me and i think stopped this movie from being a fantastic top 10 tier mcu movie firstly i don't think the humor in this movie worked at all it really detracted from my experience personally which i haven't found much with the mcu i think they're mostly on point or at least get a chuckle or grin out of me i don't think i laughed a single time in this movie and one more thing that I think bothered me, which is similar to what I said about Black Widow, I wish that the third act was a bit more grounded. Now, I like that he's, he's given, Cretton is given the room to um, expand the range of this movie and go in a very mythical direction with the great protector and all that. And I really appreciate that he was, um, he was given to the room to do that. And I love that. But I think that, but I think that when it comes to this movie, I think, scaling it back and showing a bit more of the incredible action they had on show in the first half i think would have personally worked better again not everyone's gonna agree with me maybe if you're more into like big fantasy epics that are like you know if you're more into that then i could see you loving the third act i didn't quite love it and some of the special effects felt, felt a bit off to me but i enjoyed it but my favorite part of the third act was the emotional depth going on and i think that's really 
where this movie is at its strongest. Number three, Zack Snyder's Justice League. This movie is everything I wanted it to be and maybe even more. I do think that I think as the year have gone on, there's been so many great movies that this one has kind of been falling down my favorites of 2021 list the entire year. It's still in there, but it's kind of been weird to see this movie just constantly fall because of how many great movies we've had this year. But this movie is just, it's something special inside of the genre, mainly because of how crazy it is that this movie actually managed to come to existence. Everything about this version of the movie is better than the than whatever it is in the theatrical cut. Snyder's film is has real emotion, great action for the most part. There's some dodgy special effects here and there and is truly a superhero epic. And this time around, you can actually feel the dynamic and relationship between the characters of the Justice League and all the payoffs by the third act are fully earned so satisfying superman coming back is a plot point that i felt was kind of unnecessary coming off bvs why kill him there if you're going to bring him back in the next movie but this movie does it with more nuance i mean when he comes in the third act that's one of the greatest comic book movie moments of all time in my opinion and this is easily to me i think one of the greatest comic book movies ever made because it is that memorable that big that almost that powerful in terms of bringing these characters together, and I'm honestly heartbroken that we'll never get to see the continuation of Snyder's DCEU because I feel like this movie showed its true potential, and I think really showed it was Zack Snyder's best DC outing. Really, it was him. It was his best outing in the DC universe, and really showed that we might have had something special on our, on our hands with what he was doing, and I would have loved. To see it but unfortunately that we didn't quite get it and with this movie though i still appreciate that we at least have this fantastic movie phenomenal score by junkie xl and yeah i'm so sad we're not gonna get to see more of this but i love it and i think it's still one of the best movies of the entire year number two spider-man no way home this is like i've said many many times i feel like i've talked about this movie so much this is the perfect love letter to cinematic Spider-Man. A celebration of 20 years of Spider-Man movies. And as that, it will put a massive smile on every one of your faces if you're a Spider-Man fan. But what it also does that I didn't quite expect is tell a compelling quintessential Spider-Man mo- movie that Tom Holland has desperately needed to kind of f- f- further his character. Is this a perfect movie? Nope, it's not. The first act feels a bit lazy and and clunky and rushed, and there's a lot of cheap nostalgia, but I think, opposed to maybe some other people, I at least was very entertained by it. But from the point where Doctor Strange, you know, him and Peter start going into conflict about what to do these villains, from that on, from that to the rest of the movie, this movie kicks into high gear and might become the best live-action Spider-Man movie ever. This was easily one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had. And seeing all of these villains come back was so much fun. Them interacting about the different universes felt very self-aware to a degree, but really worked. Willem Dafoe was easily the standout of the villains. Might even be more frightening than he was back in 2002. And this is also the most emotional of any recent MCU or Spider-Man movie. It's actually a pretty emotionally rich movie and really gives Peter a journey to go on. His arc never feels overcrowded or overshadowed, excuse me, in this movie. Actions he takes has consequences. 
and obviously we getting the Spider-Man again and them interacting, going into the third act, all the little moments, the back, Andrew Garfield saving MJ, him um, stretching, Peter, uh, cracking Peter Parker, Toby's back, that was phenomenal. And them getting interact with the villains, like the talk back between Toby's Peter and Doc Ock, that's one of the greatest moments in any comic book movie. It is so touching. And just, I'm so pumped after this for the next set of Spider-Man movies. The ending of this movie ends on the highest of high notes. That just, I this is what I've wanted. And I feel like they're, they pretty much, with this movie, managed to revert all of the issues I had with so the smallest issues I had with Homecoming and some of the big issues I have with Far From Home. I'm a lot more lenient on those now knowing where they're going to go. And the last two thirds of this movie are so good that I'm almost to a degree willing to accept that the first act was a bit weaker with, with where, what they, they just needed to, it just needed to feel a bit, you know, forced to get this amazing plot line going. And because of that, I, this was an incredibly satisfying experience for me personally. And I just, I cannot wait to see it again in a few days. But coming in at first place is The Suicide Squad, a very entertaining, explosive, hilarious, and action-packed ride. James Gunn here has done something that he's done many times with this genre, but once again makes you care for all these characters despite being villains. And this movie, being a movie about villains, actually has a beating heart at the center of it. Bloodsport is the anchor for the plot, while other characters like Ratcatcher and Two and King Shark will easily walk away as fan favorites. This is a distinctly James Gunn movie, and is also unique inside of the comic book movie genre today. And I absolutely respect him for going in that direction. And this is a very unleashed version of Gunn that we haven't seen with the Guardians movies. This is an R-rated, very violent, action-packed ride that I just absolutely loved watching this is an absolute blast and one of the most rewatchable comic book movies ever made i've watched this movie like four times this year and it's the only movie i've watched more than twice the entire year so that's extremely impressive and this is just this movie is nearly perfect to me it is so good it is easily in my top three favorite movies of the entire year you'll see it in a few days when i release that ranking which i'm almost done with seeing all the movies i need to see but I love this movie. And it's just, it's made with so much heart, passion. And I just really hope we get more of some of these characters because it deserves it. And that's why the Suicide Squad comes in at number one. With that said, that does come to the end of my ranking. If you want more, make sure to follow the podcast and, you know, come back and check in to see my best of movies of 2021 list in a few days, as well as my most anticipated movies of 2022. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.